I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female, where every week I speak with women changemakers who are redefining the rules of female leadership. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. My guest in today's episode is Shelby Taylor, founder of Chickpea, the all-organic, high-protein, clean-based pasta sold in 3,000 stores across North America. Shelby is an entrepreneur on a mission to create good for the world through nutritious food that does not harm the planet. She also happens to be part of the rare 2% of women to receive funding, having just closed a round of $9.3 million uh, as part of a $16 million raise overall since the start of her company. In 2019, Chickpea was ranked in the top 10% of all certified B Corps on the planet, a clear reflection of Shelby's commitment to meet the highest standards of social and environmental impact. Also not bad for an entrepreneur who started it all only six years ago. Chickpea is also a certified women-owned business, something that was important for Shelby given how passionate she is about helping other women succeed. Here is our conversation. Shelby, it's a pleasure having you join me on The Brand is Female today. And the first question I have for you, um, this is how I usually start these conversations, is growing up, what did you think you'd be doing later in life uh, for, for a career? What, uh, did you, what did you envision you'd be becoming? And did you ever expect you would be launching your own business one day? Oh, I always thought I would be a writer. I have loved writing and reading since the time I was able. And um, that, that was really always my dream. I ended up going to school for journalism, you know, with the hope of uh, telling stories. And, mm-hmm. um, but my ultimate goal was really writing fiction. So, oh, wow. which is interesting. And I still think, I still think, you know, that could be in the cards for me somewhere down the line. I had never, really seen business ownership as a possibility for me, to be honest. I just didn't grow up in that kind of um, family or, you know, around business owners. It just, um, but it was always something that I was doing my own thing was always something I was very interested in. Mm. So let's talk about what led you to uh, create your own company and create a concept for Chickpea. Um, so I'd love to hear what was, you know, what, what got you there basically and what uh, kind of sparked that idea for you. Sure. So um, after I finished school for journalism, I was a magazine editor for a Holmes magazine for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, which I which I loved, um, but over that time, my interest in nutrition uh, really grew, and I started to study nutrition on the side. And we had this one article, and we always had like one recipe in our homes magazine, mm-hmm. and that was sort of became my favorite uh, one to edit. I just uh, I just grew a real love for food and nutrition. So that's kind of what got me thinking. I wanted to do something a little bit different, and. Ultimately, um, I had the opportunity to take a, a little like provincially funded business course, like a 10-month course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to take that route. And during that course, I bought a local health food store, this really small little health food store that was up for sale. 
and thought okay. it would be a really great opportunity to one get to know more about nutrition but also do some some market research so at that point I knew I really wanted to do my own thing I just wasn't really sure I wasn't really sure what it looked like and mm -hmm. um, and then Chicopee grew really quickly from there and I mean, I'm I before this interview, I shared that I'm actually a fan of your products. Um, I'm I'm gluten free, and and when when your product came out, it was such a, a good alternative, uh, you know, for for pasta. We know there's a lot of people have issues with regular gluten free pastas because they also can't eat the type of flours that that are used. Um, so was there, you know, and and it felt like it was quite revolutionary when it came out. Um, was there a specific, um, you know, is it something in your own nutrition, the way you approach food that led you to want to try that? Or had you come in contact with, with a, a product made from chickpeas already? I'm just curious to know what, why chickpeas specifically? Sure. Well, the, you know, I, the idea really came from my customers who were speaking, you know, much like you are right now, um, you know, whether they had gluten allergies or, or even Moreoverall, we're trying to transition to a healthier diet and trying to transition their families to healthier diets with with a lot of frustration because you know you, you I always say like it's really hard to go from like hamburgers to kale smoothies, right? So um, I really saw the frustration in trying to feed families and I just I guess because of my journalism background I asked a lot of questions. And one of the questions I always asked them was, you know what is the food that? you already eat and enjoy like what is something that everyone will sit down at the table and eat whether it's healthy or not so and pasta just came up over and over again and, and that's where the idea of you know why can't the foods that we love already that we're already familiar with that we already enjoy just be healthier and actually not just better for you but actually good for your health so i think you've probably noticed i mean especially in the gluten-free space um, there's a lot of say better for you options, but they're not necessarily good for you. And with such a passion for nutrition, what I wanted was to make these foods, you know, something that you could really feel good about eating and, um, pulses, you know, chickpeas, lentils, um, beans, peas, they are, they're almost like the most perfect food out there. They're so full of protein, they're full of fiber. Um, but you know, they're low in unhealthy fats. They're so, um, and they're incredible for the environment as well. So they're a great crop. They save so much on, you know, water and, and everything that goes into um, producing animal protein. So it's just a really ideal food. And that made a lot of sense. And, then, and I was able to have the opportunity to find um, a pasta that had chickpeas in it um, that was just a little locally produced uh, pasta to sort of test on the customers to see, uh, you know, what what they thought of the idea and, and what were they open to it. And from there, I knew that, you know, I could really make something big of this. Um, and I'm curious to know when you launched the company, were there, what was kind of a, maybe, and you know, there's always ongoing challenges and obstacles when we run a business, but was there something, you know, kind of tested your resolve and something you wish uh, maybe a lesson you learned, something you wish you had known already. Um, and was there a point where you questioned, you know, why you had started the, the venture and how did you deal with overcoming those challenges? Oh my gosh, I think it's a matter of choosing one of the millions of those circumstances. So, I mean, 
in the early days I questioned I probably on a daily basis um, especially because I had a brand new baby at home so I was a, a brand new mom when I started this at the, as well and taking the time away from him was really hard especially when I wasn't sure that what I was doing was even going to work um, so chasing a dream and, and taking time away from that was was really challenging so it made me question myself a lot but at the same time it gave me this incredible drive I felt like if I'm going to miss out on time here and um, I have to make this work like I just have to make this work so uh, it made me work through a lot of challenges oh I had funding has always been a challenge um, because in in our business the way that chickpea is produced is with you know very specialized equipment it's not just you can't just use like a restaurant size pasta extruder or or the type of extruders that can be used much easily more easily with wheat based pasta and not even just the gluten free factor but the high protein and the fact that we not have no binders whatsoever so because of that, we have to produce large quantities of our pasta at one time, which takes a great deal of investment up front. Um, and so the funding has always been a challenge. I had to have had to raise money since day one, um, long before I even had pasta. So my first round of investment was selling investors before I could even let them taste it. So, Wow. Mm-hmm. So that for sure. Um, and in the beginning, I felt like I was you know that what do they call that sort of like this fraud you feel like a fraud a fraud or a fake in the beginning you know and because I had never started a a big business before and I was selling investors on this idea with you know not knowing if I could really make it happen so there was a lot of uncertainty and even today even today you know it always looks different to the outside world and you have all the the daily challenges um and you still question yourself, but certainly get a, more confident as time goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, imposter syndrome, which uh, yes, uh, unfortunately a lot of a lot of smart, driven women uh, tend to uh, deal with that. Mm-hmm. Were there any role models, and you know, it can be kind of an inspiration uh, as a role model. Like it can be just somebody you look up to, or somebody that offers your support. Um, but I'm curious if there were women that, you know, inspired you on, on your journey early on or, or closer to now even. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think there's been many along the way. Um, I always, uh, you know, I've been asked this a couple of times and I get, I feel a little bit stuck sometimes because it's not any one particular person. I always like to mention my mom because she, um, you know, while she didn't, hasn't like started her own business she has been by my side every step of the way of this she invested everything she had in the beginning she actually looked after my shop that I had when I started chasing chickpea and she just believed in me so much and she still does so um and she she works with the company as well and I think what that's really inspired me is not just from a business perspective but as a mom and, and the kind of you know support and belief that I want to have in my kids and that I want to show them that they can accomplish their dreams the way that she has shown me mm-hmm. so she's a an absolute big one and on the business side I mean there's so many inspirational women who have done incredible things Arlene Dickinson was my first um, venture capital investor and she invested in the company in very early stages 
uh, much earlier than most VCs will invest. And she continues to, um, they've invested several times. So they're a big partner in the business now, her and her fund. Um, and she continues to support us on, you know, every media chance that she gets. Um, she's made such great connections. She's on my board as well and uh, has been a great advisor to me over the years. Mm, that's great. Um, what's one thing you wish you knew when you started the business and, you know, that you know now, but kind of found out the hard way? And maybe that's one tip that you can pass on to another woman entrepreneur. Oh, sure. I often say that being so naive in the beginning was actually my biggest benefit to the business. I I almost don't know if I could ever really do this again, knowing what I know, um, because when you don't know, you, you just, it's, we can make it happen. Yes, we can do it. You know, I mean, we launched across Canada and the U.S. all within a year, uh, which I, I would never recommend to somebody doing um especially for like the cash investment you know everything just seemed like it would be faster and easier and less expensive than it actually was mm -hmm. um but one thing i would absolutely say is to really understand the structure of a business and if you're going down the path of investment you know understanding what what equity really means um, and what, you know, how that looks like over time. How many investment rounds are you going to need over the course of the next 10 years? And what does that mean for your equity and your cap table and your ownership um, and, and having a board and an advisory board, you know, understanding, having an idea of, of what you want out of the business. I've been very fortunate to bring on uh, good partners, but I have many entrepreneur friends who have gone down the same path and have had a lot of challenges. And I think, you know, when you start out and you don't really understand, you know, what are you, you know, not giving away, but what are you selling? And then not only that, but what kind of business are you set up to be in then? Now you're kind of then in a business that's not, that you can't run for your lifetime, you know? So understanding what you really want out of your business and then choosing the path. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a smart, smart move. Um, I've noticed and we were I mentioned that just before we, we got on. So I've noticed on your packaging, you uh, you have the certification for a women. Is it women owned or women led company? Women owned. Yeah. Women owned company. And I mean, I, I was really thrilled to see that when I when I found when I noticed it on your packaging. Uh, what does that mean to you? And that's obviously certification that um, you decided to obtain. So what does that represent for you? Oh, that's a big question. You know, it it represents so much because as you grow a business, it's very challenging to maintain that ownership. Um, and for many reasons, because, you know, if you want to scale a business the way or as fast as I have scaled Chicopee uh, and it requires investment, there's not so many um, women investors out there. You know, it's like one percent of venture capitalists are women. Uh, and so that's that's very challenging and trying to maintain that and and show that it's possible, I think. Overall, I think I have a, a million different thoughts coming out. I'm trying to think of how to say <laughs> sure. it. Sure, yeah. Um, for me, it's it's continuing to, one, believe in, in my own abilities, but really to show other women, there's so many women out there who have big ideas, small ideas, you know, dreams for themselves. And 
sometimes it just doesn't seem achievable. And I think it's more challenging for women because there's still, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, there's, there's still a lot more pressure on women to be uh, at home, to be great caregivers. And a lot of women feel like if they chase those dreams that they're letting their families you know, that they're letting their family suffer. So it's at their family's expense and it's just not fair. So I think, you know, when you can show that you can do that and and that you can have a family um, and you can accomplish big dreams, to to me, that's what what matters. I really want to, I really want to have other people, women realize that because it's been a, it's been a journey myself. Mm -hmm. And how does that translate? And, you know, there, I think there's that kind of false myth that's been sold to women that we can have it all and, you know, we can find work-life balance and you can be an entrepreneur and have a, a family and, you know, be perfect at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly I haven't met a woman who can say she's achieved all of that or not, not, in, not in that way, at least. No. Um, how, how does that translate for you? And I, you've mentioned you, you know, you, you had your baby just as the company was starting. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you juggle it all? How do you, you know, prioritize? How do you find time for, uh, for your family and still, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we know how much time a business, how much time and energy a business requires, especially in the, in the first few years. Mm-hmm. It's such a, such a great and important question. Um, because yes, you don't do it all. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked how, how do I do it all? And, and the simple answer is I do not. Um, you know, there, there are times when I can do more and there's times when I can't, um, and I have a fantastic support system and I have to rely on them. Um, I think having that in place is, is so important. And, and I've grown my team in a way. Um, I've probably grown my team a little bit faster for the size of business that we're at um, for the reason that, you know, I can't put in 12 to 14 hours a day because I didn't start this business to miss out on my kids' childhoods, you know. Um, so I am, I set really clear boundaries and I have fought that idea that entrepreneurs need to work, you know, 12 to 16 hour days from the very beginning. I just will not do that. I mean, there are times, right? There, you're closing a round of capital or you're about to land Costco as an account. You're going to work a late night. Um, but for the most part, I work normal hours. Um, I take most weekends off. I prioritize my family and and I've shifted the business around to make it possible. I don't believe I can do everything and I hire people who can do things much better than I can. But I think it's just so important to realize that you can't and get help at home. You know, there's sort of this idea, too, that you're a failure. Um, Like if you can't do your laundry, you know, this sounds so silly, but I can't tell you how I mean. You know, your laundry gets behind and you still feel like that's sort of your job and you're failing your family. And it's like, you know what, get, get the help at home, put the time, you know, where you can make it matter the most. And I think that's it is, is building yourself a support system. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so, so important. Um, you can't, it's not possible to do it all. It's just not. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group Women Entrepreneurs. 
confidently building your business takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners who can provide education, financing, mentorship, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. What's your approach? And you, you've just mentioned the, the team that you've built. Um, how, what, what's your take on leadership and team building? And uh, how do you, you know, how, what's your general approach to, to managing your team? Which is always interesting when you're, when it's your own business, right? And you've, you've kind of established the values and the culture for the, for the company mm -hmm. yourself. Um, I think we have a very um, value-led company. So we are a certified B corporation. I mean, we donate 2% of all of our revenue um, to a great charitable cause. Um, and everyone that I've hired is really values-led as well. Most people join the company because they love the story. They love where it's going. They love what the brand is all about. Um, and my ultimate, I guess, guidance is to, I just lead with, with kindness and understanding and empathy. And, and I have just great relationships with my team. I don't think of this business as just my business. I, I started it, but I mean, the team has such a huge stake in the business. I mean, nothing, none of this could have happened without them. So it really is our business. And uh, most of the team has um, ownership in the company as well. Mm, great. And I just think, and we're a, a team of women. So um, 10 out of 11 of us are women. <laughs> wow. That's yes. And, and, and almost of everyone has been there since, since very early days. So it's just about, you know, I don't like to say like family because, you know, it is still a business, but but it is kind of like family. And through this pandemic, for example, you know, it was such a great opportunity for um, not only for me to, you know, provide everyone with the kind of flexibility and, and empathy that they needed through all of this. You know, there's a number of us who are mothers of small children on the team and and that has required a great deal of flexibility, you know, when you have small kids schooling at home and um, and everyone is able to work from home and, and move their hours as they need to. I think that just goes like that alone, offering people the flexibility to fit, you know, the, the work into their lives rather than having to shift their lives all around their work. Um, is what really makes a difference and what people appreciate the most. So I would say we overall have a very caring, supportive and, and empathetic culture. Mm, that's great to hear. Um, I want to talk about the, um, you know, the, the issues and, and kind of the challenges that we face with uh, just the way food is produced in, in, in our world and, and, you know, the by the time it gets to our to our plates. Um, mm -hmm. And you've obviously, you know, you have a product, your, your company is value based, purpose driven, and you have a product that is uh, that is healthy and you were talking about the way it's made. Um, what do you think needs to be addressed so that 
um, we kind of have you know better healthier options uh, on our in in you know on the shelves of our grocery stores um, that also uh, are not as harmful to the planet. Oh. That's a and that's, it's a million question. dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you know, I mean, there's there's so many things. Um, you know, organic, choosing organic is is such a a big big deal. You know, eliminating you know pesticides and um, water contamination. Um, you know, keeping keeping our bee population alive and. Um, and and keeping the the richness and the integrity of our soil in place, and that's that's the most important thing, really, and especially when it comes to the environment. So, you know, we are um, our charitable initiative is actually now working with. We work with a a large regenerative farm. It's actually not far from where we're located here, called the New Farm, um, and we donate. Two, so we donate 2% of our revenue to Community Food Centers Canada, which has a number of food centers and food programs to address um, food insecurity. And, and it's, not just a, it's not just a food bank. It's very much um, food programs to educate the communities around them um, and, you know, to help them learn how to grow their own food, but also um, around sustainability as well. So getting off track, sorry, but... We donate 2% of our revenue to them and they use the entire amount to purchase regenerative produce from a far, from the farm that's near here. Um, but the whole idea around that and sort of closing that gap between, you know, getting the most nutritious food possible to the people who really need it the most. So the accessibility around nutritious food um, and then supporting regenerative agriculture, which is really our best opportunity to mitigate climate change um, in not only my opinion, but in many scientists' opinion, uh, and putting that carbon back into the soil. Because that's, you know, with traditional farming techniques, we're tilling soil, we're putting all of this carbon into the air, and we're killing soil and, and you know, creating lands that, that will never be able to be farmed again. And I could go on forever, so I think I'm already <laughs> off track of your question. But no, I, no, this is this is really <laughs> interesting and important, an important conversation to have. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, we at Chicopee all really care about um, climate change, and um, but also in making sure that you know we're that everybody has access to nutritious food. So those are those are two really strong. Um, values that we hold and we've been able to address both food insecurity and climate change through this charitable initiative with the hopes that we can get more brands on board to put into regenerative agriculture as well because that's what really needs to happen. I think this more goes back to your exact question. We need more regenerative farms. We need conventional farms to switch over to organic regenerative farms and grow food the way that it was meant to be grown. Um, so that we can really have much healthier food on the shelves, like much, much healthier food on your shelves that are not depleted of nutrients, and then much healthier air and a healthier planet overall. Mm. And as consumers, because I think, you know, ultimately consumers, you know, we vote with our dollars and we have the power to impact mm -hmm. um, and demand change from the companies that we buy from and from government to 
to add pressure to companies to uh, to you know fix systemic issues and and produce food or any items that we consume differently. Mm-hmm. So what what you know where where can consumers start? What's what's one way uh, other than choosing organic? Mm-hmm. You know, at a supermarket, for example. Um, what are things that you you'd recommend consumers do, and maybe things that you you also do um, in your you know in your everyday habits outside of your role at at Jacoby? Absolutely. So yes, like you said, choosing organic is certain one, and and looking for B corps. So companies that are certified B corporations, uh, it's a very rigorous standards that you have to meet as a B corp um, to know that you are you are measuring more than a single bottom line. So you are not just measuring. Um, profit, you are measuring um, how you treat your people, how you treat the environment, what kind of social change you're doing. So B Corps are really about using business as a force for good. And that certification is no joke. It is incredibly challenging to get and to maintain, especially as you grow. Um, and by choosing B Corporations, you can know that you're you're choosing companies that are actually doing good in the world. Uh, I think it's um, that's a that's a big, big uh, leap that customers could make for sure. Mm, and it's and, and it's easy, an easy one to make, mm-hmm. right? Because one can easily research uh, what, what company is certified as B Corp. Yes, um, and the more, the more, sorry, the more um, that consumers choose B Corps, the more it's going to push the bigger companies to become B Corps as well. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder, you know, the past 14 months or so, we've gone through this pandemic and a lot has changed. I've had a lot of conversations with women around, um, I think, you know, I hate using the term silver lining because there's so much um, uh, suffering and pain and death that Mm -hmm. that came from the pandemic. But um, we did see kind of that rise in global consciousness and a lot of consumers' mindsets evolving and changing and realizing, um, you know, the importance of uh, choosing products based on values and environmental impact, social impact, and so on. Um, Do you think and are you seeing with your consumers that this is kind of a new trend that's going to last? Or do you think we're going to kind of go back to, you know, the old way of doing things? I, I, I don't think we're ever going back to what was referred to as normal, but do you think there, there's a swing of change that's really going to outlast the reality of the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I, I have seen sort of a split. And so like you said, there's many ways that um, people are becoming much more aware um, through all of this, especially as as many people are eating at home and buying products and people who were maybe not doing so much of that before. Um, and so I, th- I think there's that in those people who have made those switches, I, th- I think those will continue for sure. Um, but we've also seen the uh, another side of things and where people have sort of reverted back to um, more conventional foods in some ways and, um, you know, sort of where you can... I don't want to say stock up because I want to say stocking up is a thing of 2020. But, right. But, um, you know, that's... Yeah, and going back mm. to sort of comfort foods, old comfort okay. foods. and right. Mm. Whereas I, I think we are starting to see those people shift to like, okay, I can't eat these comfort foods forever. So maybe let's find some healthier versions. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change. And, I, and really, I think it just sped up a little bit what was already happening. So, you know, just so many people were starting to become more aware um, of so many things and it's just sort of sped up that process. So I don't see it 
I don't see it going backwards. And, and my hope is that there'll be more demand for it outside of home as well as we go back to restaurants, um, you know, and eating outside of the home. And I hope that there'll be a little more pressure on those systems to offer, um, you know, healthier and more sustainable foods. That's such an, an interesting point. You're right, because it's it's easier. We have access to so many options, you know, from from home. It's a little harder mm -hmm. with restaurants and yeah. depending where you live, there's not always uh, that many healthy options. Um, right. And even even some restaurants that are, you know, marketing themselves as healthy. Uh, we don't always have full transparency in terms of, you know, how they're sourcing ingredients. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Um, and then my favorite question to ask everyone on the show is what do you wish women would do less of? Um, I used to ask what do you wish women would do more of until it was pointed out to me very rightly so that women already do too much. But you mm -hmm. can interpret this question as you want for your answer. Oh, gosh, I want to have a good answer for this. Um, I, I the very the very first thing that came to mind was I want them to feel less guilt, to stop feeling so guilty about everything. It's it's such a, I don't know why it's ingrained in so many of us, um, you know, but to be more proud of ourselves for, like you said, the many, many, too many things that we do um, and stop feeling guilty over the things that we can't or that we may think we don't do so well. Mm. That's excellent advice. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Shelby. It was a pleasure getting to know you and congratulations for everything you've done with Chickapea. Excited to see what's next. And uh, I'll be cooking up some Chickapea over the weekend. I have to stock up now. That, that's great. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that is possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for the support of The Brandis Female. You got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.